Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from New Brighton, Minnesota, Anne Lundholm. Good evening, Anne. Hi, Bobby. And in Kyle, Texas, on his way to Dallas very soon, Mike Frizzell. Good evening, Mike. Bong. <laughs> Bong. <laughs> Bong. For the man too lazy to actually move his mic arm around. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is your Monday morning recap edition of Little Red Bandwagon. If you haven't gone back and listened to the Friday show yet, please do. The ladies smashed the patriarchy. And, uh, well, Mike and I are, are here to reassemble the glass shards while Anne watches. I know. Where does this leave me? <laughs> I was I wanted to smash the patriarchy. How did I get stuck with you two? You're a little red broham with us. <laughs> I assume they knew that you could handle it, uh, and they couldn't, so they they saved you for this. Oh yeah, clearly. Sorry. Tough Midwest stock. <laughs> We're gonna do some LRB business, followed by your weekend review, some housekeeping, and how you can get involved with our show, this show, Little Red Bandwagon. First, uh, I am going to apologize. For making Meredith apologize on Friday's show, uh, you also heard a taped recording from me apologizing for the microphone arm sounds in the last recap. Um, Jeremy and I have sussed out that it may be because of some filtering we use when we're processing the show. Uh, we'll be more careful with that in the future. Meredith went out of her way to apologize, uh, but it probably wasn't really her fault very much at all. So uh, thank you, Meredith, but that wasn't necessary. And thanks to everybody for following along well the the explanation actually made sense to me when jeremy came up with it and it, he said that um you use and he he has sometimes used and you sometimes use this uh software that levels out sound because we all use our own tracks and some of us are louder than others and meredith's is usually pretty low and so whatever you used was bringing her up and that there was some small, very small noise, the microphone arm on her end, right? Right. And and that software was saying, oh, that's Meredith's voice. We need to, you know, let it ring from the mountaintops. And did it. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize it was as bad as it sounded because when I was listening through the episode, it hadn't been leveled out yet. And so uh -huh. it was, you know, pretty quiet. Uh, that final version, apparently not so much. So sorry to anyone we deafened. Uh, not sorry enough to give you any money or compensation of any kind, but just my apology. I think we should t take turns apologizing for that. Now two people have apologized for it. I think on the next episode, uh, someone else should apologize. Well, it's, it's been a while since we've had some mic apologies. Yeah, I haven't apologized for a while. Not because I haven't had anything to apologize for, but just I'm not very apologetic in general. <laughs> Well, I guess I could apologize because I was on that episode, except for the fact that I listened through to the episode before Bobby posted it. And I said to him, you know, there's a lot of extra mic noise, mic arm noise in this right at, and I gave him a timestamp of when it was really bad. Mm -hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, I did my due diligence. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, you should apologize, though, because you live, you live very close to Canada. And yes. that's, you should be an expert at apologizing living that close to Canada. That's, I mean, that's stock and trade of the upper Midwest apologizing. Oh, so 
Hmm. Every time I see a picture of Justin Trudeau, I just forget what I was thinking about and I don't pay attention to what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never apologize. Never apologize for lusting after Justin Trudeau. <laughs> and this is why they left you to be on the recap this week so that you could throw me under the bus. So oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so yes, go listen to Friday show with Phyllis and Christy and Meredith um, being ladies. Uh, also, uh, remember, as always, to submit your throw-your-phone moments. We've got some feedback from the last week for you. Uh, first, uh, our announcement from last week, a reminder that our first wagon full of loot for our archivists has been awarded to uh, Michael Farnan. I don't know if we've gotten his address yet. If we haven't, Michael, you're hearing this now. Shoot us a note, and we will surprise you with one of us sending you a wagon full of loot. And we're not going to tell you who. Uh, until you open it. So, uh, how are we deciding who, uh, who's, uh, who's doing the first wagon full of loot? Well, uh, we need to negotiate that off air because we want it to be a surprise. And we also want to make sure that somebody in Seattle who wins doesn't get a Seattle wagon oh, right. full of loot because sure. the regional stacks wouldn't matter so much. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So, uh, Michael, send, uh, this convicted felon your address and, uh, <laughs> Just don't don't feel bad about that at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I probably already have it if I look hard enough. So, uh, some feedback from the last week. Uh, Jeff Richardson wrote in to let us know that he enjoyed Smash Mouth in all C. <laughs> okay, Jeff. <laughs> uh, and Doctor Rob suggests Mike uh, that you visit the website tonedeftest.com. because I hate music. See, he thinks I I'm just not hearing it. Right. Like in, in White Men Can't Jump when uh, Wesley Snipes tells uh, what's his name that he, 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 can, uh, he can listen to Jimmy, but he can't hear Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah. yeah. So I, I can hear music. I just, I mean, I can listen to music. I just can't hear it. Well, you hate all music except your music, but we've never gotten a real good handle on what your music is. Yeah, because all of you are going to hate it. And I don't want you to like <laughs> jump on my music. You don't want like your I jump music on yours. judged? Exactly. Like I judge yours. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't think I have the email in front of me, but we also got a message from Katie, or maybe this was a Facebook post. Um, her throw your phone moment was the uh, soft-boiled versus poached egg conversation. We can probably get into that more when we get there in the mm -hmm. recap. And Andrea expressed shock over butter tarts, which <laughs> led to a thread, a wonderful thread. I believe on the LRB page about the recipe for butter tarts and my love of butter tarts. Yes. I wanted to highlight that feedback because Andrea is the host of Preheated, my favorite baking podcast. And so, of course, she's going to be interested in butter tarts. And I put the recipe up there for anybody who's interested. And uh, you should listen to Preheated because this month is pie month. And they're starting to talk about pies. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like a great reason to put preheated in the show notes. So go check for the link there. How is every month not pie month? I don't get this. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every month is pie month. And then one month is insulin month because <laughs> <laughs> you have to recover from the other 11 pie months. Uh, get and your very, sugar back down. Very quickly in uh, TBTL Simpsons watch. Thanks to uh listener bet. And it is bet. I just checked. Um, we have Simpsons references on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, but not Thursday or Friday. Um, I'll sprinkle those in as we go, but know that the guys managed to hit a hat trick 
shoot a hat trick of Simpsons references on Monday. So that was a pretty exciting day for her and for me uh, as they just kept coming on Monday. And of course, I noted none of them. <laughs> uh, I'll interrupt as needed to make okay. sure they all get in. Uh, why don't you get us started, and with Monday, and I'll interject as I need to for The Simpsons. All righty. Monday, number 2305, Frankenstein's Zucchini, and it showed up in my podcatcher. The title was there, not the description, but the title was there. And then the next day it was, and then the next day it wasn't, and then it was, and then it wasn't. So they're working on it. Sort of. Yeah. Sporadically. Is that why Stubot got fired? Just because he couldn't get this thing resolved? <laughs> Actually, I'm wondering if he got it fired because he did get it resolved. Because the timing is suspicious. <laughs> it was it was the last it was last his last duty. Mm-hmm. And then once he got that done, they cut him loose. Out of there. Uh so Luke is at the Vinoy Resort and Golf Course in St. Petersburg, uh, Florida, as we knew he would be. And as he said, he was in a hot tub, oh, four minutes ago. But he wants to uh, specify that he is wearing clothes. He is not in the altogether. And then they have to talk about the phrase in the altogether because, of course, Andrew doesn't know it. And he has to look it up. And he finds a list of synonyms for the word naked. And then we have to discuss those, including naked, which he hates, but I like. And in the rough, which is terrible. That's not a thing. In the rough? I never heard of that. What is that? That's not a thing. It sounds like yep. a sex thing. I've heard of roughing something out, like when you're, you know, cutting something out roughly because it's going to get trimmed clean later. Uh, but yeah, I've never heard in the rough that way before. I've also yeah. never heard in the raw being used that way before. Right. Which is one that I was glad they didn't linger on. I think it I think it's uh, it's comes from people maybe mishearing in the buff. Ah, good thought. So they they go back to in the rough throughout the episode, which is right. unfortunate. Yeah. Um. Then becomes the tale of the hot tub, and um, Luke's striving for a better life as always, and he saw the the rooms on the ground floor of the hotel had private hot tubs, and then of course he could not rest until he also got a room with a private hot tub. But there turned out to be a couple of problems. One was that the hot tub was uh, approximately a thousand degrees, as he said, or the hot tub is hot. And two, it was rough textured. So it was actually very uncomfortable to sit in, which really seems like a problem to me. It, it seemed like he was describing, um, you know how when they, you don't want pigeons on your building and you put the, <laughs> they put that stuff on the, uh-huh, the edge little, of the building spikes and stuff yeah, right right you got to climb over that to get in the hot tub <laughs> <laughs> well despite the fact that it's very uncomfortable he decided that he's going to get his money's worth out of it whatever it was twenty dollars for the upgrade sure. to the room so he went again on this monday morning and he found out that it's much less private than he had originally thought and he had a a naked run in with a groundskeeper who was just doing his groundskeeping business while Luke was getting in and out of the hot tub. So he actually says that he destroyed his big toe kind of desperately jumping into the hot tub. <laughs> and, and it you don't if a hot tub is a little bit too hot, it, you really need to ease into it. Otherwise it's just really brutal process. Hot is still better than not hot enough though, right? You don't want to get into a tepid tub. No, 
And yeah. you don't want to get out of a cold tub in front of the groundskeeper, too, because you might be rip- misrepresenting yourself. <laughs> I might have to start a whole new spreadsheet for Seinfeld references now. <laughs> right. I was in the cold tub. <laughs> but this, this, this story made me physically tired. And the reason is I was looking at it from Carrie's perspective. And he, Christ. You're, you change out of a perfectly good hotel room. I mean, I I think I've maybe changed hotel rooms twice in my life. And only because the first hotel room was a fucking disaster. You know, like the first hotel room was not acceptable. Not because I saw some other hotel room that I thought was cooler or I heard about some amenity in some other room. It's like I'm I am now in my hotel, you know. I've sat down, I've put my stuff down, I've made myself as as at home as I'm going to be. Um, no, I'm not changing hotel rooms. <laughs> and he does this all the time. How can you be married to that? If I was Carrie, I would say, well, you have fun in your new hotel room. I'm staying here. <laughs> right. Um, I always wonder if there's something akin to sending your food back. Like, whatever improvement mm-hmm. you want made is not going to outweigh whatever terrible thing they might do to your food. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, I, I think I'd rather send my food back because I still get to just sit there. I don't have to do anything, you know? It Carry costs it me 10 minutes, <laughs> you know? But but changing hotel rooms, what, do you, what the... Uh, it makes me physically tired when I hear these stories. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just a reaction that I've, I'm starting to have. Well, let's talk about this wedding, uh, this friend of Carrie's that was getting married. And Luke estimates the cost of the wedding to be in the quarter of a million dollar range. He said that uh, the band was amazing. They had every possible manner of cocktail food, plus, I guess, the dinner itself, top shelf open bar. Um, And it's all because the parents of the bride are wealthy. And he speculates a lot about what their motivations could be for wanting to throw this kind of a wedding and uh andrew i was so proud of andrew he made a jane austen joke that he almost got um (laughs) from pride and prejudice which is really great and that actually takes them into a discussion of pride and prejudice and andrew's read it and he likes it and luke of course has not read it he's only seen the movies which counts right and they start talking about stories where there are multiple versions uh, of movies and how whatever was the the version that you watched when you were at your most impressionable age is um, the one that seems like the right one to you, which is why I'm sure Luke likes the Bruce Willis version of Die Hard best. Well, I thought you were going to say the Bruce Willis <laughs> version of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> now, that would be easy, uh, a really interesting. <laughs> and uh, he wants to give an example of this and so he brings up Anne of Green Gables again and the different movie versions of this and how he likes the old black and white one and not the really famous one that everybody likes and then they go on to do what Andrew describes as TBTL drunk history to describe the plot of Anne of Green Gables for whatever reason Luke feels the necessity to do this 
And he actually reads a plot summary and then he starts uh, extemporizing on his own and that's where he gets into trouble. And I made a note to myself that I wasn't allowed to be a hypocrite here because last week I went off on a tear about Sean Spicer uh, criticizing Daft Punk and how he was allowed to criticize them and post about them even when he was not a deep fan. And if it goes for Sean Spicer, it goes for Luke. So I have to let him... Get all the details of Anne of Green Gables wrong, if I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Although, when he said she falls in love with a young man named Gilbert and they have lots of adventures, I was beside myself because that's not what happens at all. But No, anyway. if I remember right, Mr. Darcy comes in with a gun taped to his back and, <laughs> I don't know, it gets hazy from there. That was the sequel, Mike. Oh, right. Okay. I, uh... I'm just trying to picture an old BBC version of Die Hard now. <laughs> Starring uh, Sir Laurence Olivier. I would hope so. It's a very upstairs, downstairs take. And of Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> well, um, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies was a big thing a couple of years ago. So I don't see why we can't have a, a Jane Austen Die Hard mashup. Sure. Yeah, the book that launched a thousand books for Urban Outfitters to sell. <laughs> yeah. Hans Gruber finally gets puffy sleeves and he's no longer a villain. He's happy now. He uh, just wanted to belong. That's all. <laughs> he did. <sighs> Can you believe it's been a year without Alan Rickman? I'm sorry, I'm getting uh, sad now. We need to move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Andrew starts to tell a story about taking a fall while he was running uh, to catch the bus because he was going to see Ira Glass's show. And then he never gets to finish the story because they start talking about Ira and how Andrew was invited to go backstage, but he didn't go backstage because he was all up in his head about... I don't know whether the invitation was really for him and if Ira would know who he was and all of that. So they just totally abandoned the Andrew fell down story for the time being. Um, and, oh, I should say, Andrew is worried that us, the listeners, will be disappointed with him because he did not go backstage to see Ira. Well, it's such bullshit that these guys worry about this stuff. I mean... Obviously, Ira likes Luke. He may not know what Luke looks like because most of their interaction has been, you know, through radio and through the pieces Luke did for This American Life or whatever. So it would be probably unreasonable for Ira to know what Luke looked like. But Ira seems like a very sweet and kind person. And we know mm -hmm. he's a very intelligent person. Of course, he's going to remember talking to Andrew fucking yesterday <laughs> for an hour, <laughs> you dummies. You know, he's not going to say, what? <laughs> Who are you? What? What is this? I don't know. I, I get mad at Andrew about this. I'm like, Did you, no one's making you go up to I'm not mad that you didn't go up and talk to him because I don't even know if I would do that if I were in his position. But the reason shouldn't be that you don't think he's going to remember you. Right. Uh, we got to give Ira Glass a little credit, you know? Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm the guy you talked to yesterday. I'm Luke's sidekick on the podcast. Yeah. I remember that. It was an hour of my fucking day yesterday. Sorry. <laughs> Told you I was a little bit hot. To, yeah. I'm coming in hot tonight. <laughs> we usually do this in the morning and I'm more subdued. But. 
Well, this takes us very nicely into the top story for today, which is Luke and Andrew respond to Twitter. The hell of a top story. Oh, this, this whole week had a real run of bullshit top stories. <laughs> <laughs> so some people have communicated to them through Twitter, and it sounds like through some emails, too, that um, when Luke tried to confirm his status with Ira, whether they were friends or acquaintances or what the deal was, that there was a lot of cringing going on. In fact, they mentioned that Stu brought up the cringeworthiness of that whole thing. And so, of course, that means that they have to get all up in their heads about it and talk about (laughs) whether they should have done this and um, why people might have thought that it was awkward. And at first they bring on the technical excuses and they talk about what it's like to record with somebody when you're in separate locations, which I am totally willing to give that because we experienced some of those problems doing LRB. I think I learned how dependent I am on visual cues by trying to do this and not being able to have any visual cues. So I'll give them that. And they do. Um, I, I thought that they got a good joke in here where uh, they talked about technical issues and they said that they should have a spin off TBTL podcast called From a Technical Standpoint. I wouldn't listen, but. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like one of those uh, Saturday afternoon shows on, on public radio <laughs> that you can, every, everyone can just take or leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Andrew thought that the Irish show was good and Luke did too. And. He didn't feel any embarrassment in asking Ira where they stood. And I agree. I usually get embarrassed for people. And there's a German word that I feel like I heard long ago on TBTL for the first time, maybe, called Fremdscham, which is an actual German word that means the process of being vicariously embarrassed for someone else. And I feel that a lot. And I did not feel that during this conversation. So... I guess to I me, to me, that word is karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Japanese version. Of yeah, that's, I guess that's the Japanese version of it. <laughs> but Andrew said his friend told him that she had to turn it off. So apparently, this affected a lot of people. Um, and the listeners, he thinks, feel a lot of ownership over the show, and that makes them very protective of Luke and Andrew. So when they feel that things are going off the rails or things are getting weird, then they get worried. I just think it's, it is a little bit odd. I enjoyed the show, but I think it's a little bit odd that you are asking someone if they are your friend when they are doing something because they are your friend Mm -hmm. when they're in the middle of doing something precisely because they consider themselves your friend. Yes, after they explicitly established that Ira was not doing this as a promotional opportunity. <laughs> right. The right. only thing that's left is because I like you. Right. So Luke <sighs> has this super weird analogy that he makes about how if your dad works at the cracker factory, maybe this is cracker holdover talk from last week, but if your dad works at the cracker factory and the boss comes over, you want your dad to be cool with the boss? And somehow Ira is the Cracker Factory boss in this whole scenario? (laughs) Well, and I'll interrupt here because this makes slightly more sense in the context of it being our first Simpsons reference of the week. Oh! (laughs) Uh, Milhouse Van Houten's dad, Kirk, 
works at the Cracker Factory, which actually has a name, Southern Cracker, home of the Dry Cracker. And it is his wife's father's company, actually. I don't think Luke was referencing that particular part of the relationship. <laughs> not not related, but I, Bobby, maybe you can help me. What's the, what's the name of the sad divorced guy apartments that uh, Millhouse's dad lives in after uh, he breaks up? I think up they're called her. the Bachelor Arms. Bachelor Arms, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, the Cracker Factory, I couldn't get – while there, this discussion was going on, I couldn't get over the fact that this sounds like a hybrid of two terrible restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> like you can get some really shitty spaghetti or, or biscuits and gravy at this place. Just think about the variety in the uh, gift shop at the uh, – Cracker Factory. It's it's got the gift shop of a Cracker Barrel, but the wide menu of a Cheesecake Factory. Oh, I was thinking more Spaghetti Factory. Oh, but sp- yeah, you know, yeah, Cheesecake Factory for sure. It's the regional thing there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm used to my factories being. I think I've told the story before, but I have an old friend from college who got a. He was always working second jobs, and he came into us one day. This was back in the newsroom at the Spectrum, my college newspaper, and he just said, "I'm exhausted because I worked all night." at my second job at the Cheesecake Factory. And people are going, oh, are, you know, what are you doing? Are you serving? Are you busting? And he just went, no, it's an actual Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was the graveyard shift at the place that makes like the frozen cheesecakes they sell at BJ's and Sam's Club. And he said it was the most disgusting place he had ever worked. There's never been a bigger disparity between the name of a restaurant and the amount of things available at that restaurant, because when you first hear Cheesecake Factory, you're thinking, oh, I, I don't really care for cheesecake. I'm not going to go there. But but then someone will tell you, well, they have 7,000 different mm-hmm. things there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't work out arms at the gym before you go to the Cheesecake Factory. Either you won't be able to lift the menu. No, exactly. Yeah. How do they, how do people not just, they must have struggled to turn over tables just because of the time people waste having to figure out what to order. Yeah. Well, what's, what's your specialty? Well, nothing. Well, if you'll, if you'll turn to page 17, there's a section there, you know, that we like to concentrate on on Thursday afternoon. Part of this is their fault in that they sell ads in it. So as if it wasn't long enough. Oh, really? I've, I have seen it like, you know, it's probably because of their vendors, but like I've seen a full page like Coca-Cola ad. And I swear at some point I've seen like insert pages for, for other companies. It's a fucking monthly magazine. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, we're off track. Yes. Cracker Factory, Simpsons <laughs> reference. The epitome of being pathetic. <laughs> um, so continuing down the uh, this vein of, I think it was Amy Shepard that called it pod gazing, which I thought was really great. Um, Andrew thinks that they should have more guests on TBTL. And I don't disagree because I like, I like the change in energy that a guest brings. Even if they're awkward, um, then that just gives us something to talk about here. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Luke says that he doesn't actually know how much longer we will listen to just Luke and Andrew. Like, maybe they need to come up with some sort of format change. I'm sure all the tens were super happy to hear that. And it just sounds like they're on the verge of some TBTL existential crisis. A few months ago, they talked just for a minute about changing the top story sounder and people freaked the fuck out. So Mm -hmm. an entire format change, I think, might... Bring the world crashing down. <laughs> I do miss when more people would pop in on the third mic, even in the radio days when it was just Sean. 
Mm-hmm. I would hate to hear where there are more guests where Luke tries to force an interview format because right. that's what Livewire is for now. Right. No, no. We want friends coming in to hang out. Right. I just come in and come in and shoot the shit with Luke yeah. and Andrew. And I I assume we're going to get that next week because we're going to get a week of substitute co-hosts, hopefully, and not Luke solo podcasting for a week. We'll find wasn't out. A, wasn't the last real guest Misha Collins? And that was fun. That was really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, bring in people who will uh, be game for the mm-hmm. experience of just hanging out for an hour. Yep. But just in case this TVTL thing doesn't last, Andrew has his next job picked out. It's going to be at the movie theater down the street from his house. Bobby, you were talking last week, I think, about process jobs. This would qualify as another process job where you just go in, oh, you do your shift, and you go home. Checklist, check things off, take a garbage bag full of popcorn home. In a lot of ways, this scratches a lot of itches. <laughs> <laughs> so um, moving on to the next Twitter commentary, uh, somebody wants to know how Luke feels about Howard Schultz. Now that with all the news about refugees, Starbucks has committed to hiring 10,000 refugees for its stores. Can, can he hate Howard Schultz anymore since it turns out that he's a good person? And he says the two things can be true. You can be a good philanthropist and you can also be a sucky sports team owner. So he appreciates the philanthropy, but he's still mad at him. But not mad enough to not patronize Starbucks, of course. Three or four times a fucking day. <laughs> and there's something... Uh, how they get on to talking about the Browns has something about how um, basically the U.S. government is now like the management of the Cleveland Browns. And Andrew says, newsflash, they're always bad. So that's great. And Luke wants to know, after Art Modell moved the Browns out of Cleveland, did anyone ever shop at Modell's sporting goods stores again? And Andrew said he doesn't remember having them around anyway. So I checked, and it looks like currently anyway, the only Modell's in the country are located in the D.C. Baltimore era. So they may not have ever even been in Cleveland to begin with. I think uh, Art Modell, when he bought the team, I'm just talking out of my ass here, but the um, NFL franchises are, you know, they're rare, and them coming up for sale is very rare. So a lot of times when one comes up for sale... So a super rich person is not always going to be from there yeah. and they're going to buy it. And unfortunately, just like when Clay Bennett bought the Sonics, uh, first opportunity, the super rich guy who bought the team is going to take them back to where he's from. And yeah. that's what he did. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, we also got a comparison here to if Mr. Brown, uh, Mr. Burns owned the Cleveland Browns. There we was, go. <laughs> that was a pretty blunt second Simpsons reference for this episode. Yeah. Hey, I found out where the name the Browns come from when I was reading up on this because their first coach was named Paul Browns. The team mm-hmm. is named after the coach. Mm-hmm. That's weird. And and then he went on, I think, to uh, start the Cincinnati Bengals. Paul Brown did. And he mm. coached there. And I think he was the owner there. But again, I'm talking out of my ass. Moving on to the really top uh, interesting story for today, uh, Luke wants to let everybody know that the sous vide eggs from Starbucks are awesome. And then there's a long discussion about eggs, and it turns out that Andrew doesn't actually know the difference between a soft-boiled egg and a poached egg, which was where our feedback from Katie came in. 
as she wrote to us, throw your phone moment, as Lynn has already rage tweeted, Andrew was describing poached eggs, not soft boiled eggs. And she said, also, if Monday's show is setting the bar for Simpsons references this week, we could be in for a record breaker. <laughs> yes. <Sure>. So, <laughs> so, yes, they were talking about creating the vortex and swirling the and dropping the egg in there. And all over the country, people were going, poached, poached. <laughs> But the important thing to know is that Luke loves this low-carb option. I saw them today for the first time. I haven't tried them yet. Sam and I were at the mall, which is the only Starbucks near our house right now. There's another one slated to open soon. Um, And it was, you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I really wasn't in the mood for some egg pucks. But they look serviceable. I mean, I could see what you're going for. They look like a a sort of rounded-over quiche with no crust. Um, I'm sure they're all the rage for low carb because it's just egg and filling. Yeah. The pictures that I saw didn't look gross. Yeah. I mean, as, as not gross as something could. Yeah. And I, I mean, I saw the marketing pictures, they look great, but then just the regular old Facebook photos, people were taking them and they look fine. So I'd eat them. Yeah. Uh, we should give bet listener bet from, from outside Buffalo, actually a little credit here on the Simpsons watch. Um, not only did she reference the Egg Council clip that they played where Lenny tries to convince Homer that the Egg Council creeps haven't gotten to him, <laughs> but she has gone as far as to add to this very simple Google spreadsheet, episode name, season, and number. <laughs> so wow. she is chronicling this with the same level of detail that we archive TBTL. <laughs> and so that clip is from season six, episode 12, Homer the Great. All right. Uh, finally, on Monday, in emails, Andy wants to chime in on city pronunciation. He is an American living in Australia, and he has a problem with the city Melbourne. Is it Melbourne or is it Melbourne? I was always taught that it's Melbourne, but what I what do I know? And, and he feels dumb either way, and I think that's just something that we have to learn to live with. It's a great place to visit. I know that from the from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We got a great email from Robin in Denver, who has two points that she wants to make. Uh, One, she spent an entire plane ride once listening to Eternal Flame (laughs) on repeat, staring out the window and mouthing the lyrics silently. Something weird happens to people on airplanes. I've had that too. You know, I've, of course, told the story before how I cry during non-cry movies, but music too. I'll be listening to music on an airplane. It'll make me overly emotional and i will i will listen to the same songs over and over again which i normally would never do yeah absolutely yeah uh i just have a little bit of political commentary i don't want to get too far into this but um if robin is a white woman i believe if anyone with any kind of ethnicity in their appearance was (laughs) listening to the same song over and over mouthing along to it rocking in their seat that plane would have been stopped on an emergency and she would have been sure. arrested. That's what I could think when she said that. Oh, I was just mouthing this over and over to myself. What? That's not weird. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> and the second point that Robin wants to make is that she and a friend made up some alternate lyrics for the song, and <laughs> which just turns out to be substituting the word fart 
mostly. So it's it's eternal fart. And Luke decides that he wants to offer notes on this because he feels that farts doesn't really fit into the rhyme scheme of the song. And Andrew's like, yeah, I don't think that she's looking to workshop it. She's just sharing it with us. Yeah, looking for feedback on her <laughs> yeah. fart parody. And then, of course, he has to bring in um, his favorite altered lyric song, which is the little girl singing Let Me Poop to the Frozen song. And Andrew says, I regret playing this. And Luke says, I don't. But my only only little note on this, my music sharpshoot, is as Luke is commentating along to the song, he says, key change. And I said, nope, that's called going to the chorus. Luke, that's not a key change. But that is what I have for Monday. All right, Tuesday, 2306, simmer down, Stu. Uh, pretty light notes uh, uh, for Tuesday for me. Theo is stalking the show and ends up to being the show picture as he Did is. Did you see that? Yeah, casting a Batman, yeah, a Batman, a bat signal type shadow into the room. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. So Professor Theo Bananas or whatever his name is, um, is sort of, he makes a shadowy appearance. You know, I, I was thinking about that because Luke has been screwing up the cat's names. Um, I think nobody, you can't really get mad when you give your cats overly complicated mm-hmm. names. Mm-hmm. If other people aren't going to remember them because they don't live with your cats. Like I admire uh, Meredith because she has at least usually between 12 to 15 pets at any one time, but they all have very simple names. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little bit easier to remember. Imagine if Meredith with all her pets decided to get cute with it, you know, it would be ridiculous. And we have a bunch of pets here. We don't have quite as many as her, but yeah, just Keep it simple if you want people to remember your pets' names. The 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 reason that uh, that Theo is there is Luke wants to weigh Theo or the other cat or something because uh, it will, we'll I guess we'll find out later during the top story so we'll we'll wait for that but uh, back to this they they touch back on the fact that Andrew fell earlier in the week and I and I think he gets a chance to tell the story. This yes, time? only because Stu asks him, not because Luke was right. ever going to come back to it. Right, right. So Sharp they bring Stu in, and end. Stu and Stu's curious. He's like, Andrew, <laughs> tell the story. So Andrew tells the story of how he fell down when he was running for, uh, running for the bus. He was on time, but he thought the bus would be early, and he would miss the bus. So he he fell down, and he stayed down for a little while. Which which as an adult. You do. I don't know right. if, if if you all have fallen as an adult, but it's pretty important to to take take stock. You know. Yeah. I actually um, we get into conversations about um, riding your bikes everywhere mm-hmm. and making that switch from the mountain bike to the road bike. Mm-hmm. And when I was twenty years old, <clears throat> the summer I lived in the not finished attic of a frat house. Um, in the northern part of Buffalo, I had a car that died. And so for a good two months, people must have just thought I was the guy with the DUI because right. I rode my <laughs> bike everywhere. Adult guy on the bike, yeah. <laughs> and exactly what happened with that thin front wheel of a road bike mm-hmm. happened to me. I got it wedged in a little bit of a construction area on gravel between a curb and a sidewalk where there was a gap where they were filling in a new sidewalk. 
and I went head over the handlebars and uh, smashed my left hand in a fist, took the brunt of it into some gravel, and I still have an impressively weird scar between my knuckles on my left hand, between my pointer finger and my middle finger, that is my constant reminder that I was the idiot who rode a bike for one summer. (laughs) I don't think it makes you an idiot to ride a bike. Well, there's nothing wrong with being a bike rider, but when you're relying on it as your primary form of transportation, you're very quickly humbled. Yeah. Uh, And that was one of those moments for me. I was coming home from work. I destroyed an outfit. And I was a poor kid working at the Buffalo Philharmonic at the time, and I just read like one of my only nice shirts because <laughs> it was just blood everywhere. And I just people people sort of stopped and looked and like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just embarrassed and miserable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I just walked the rest of the way home and threw my clothes out and got in the shower. I've fallen a couple times since uh, my amputation. The first was uh, I fell completely down in the hallway. And, uh, luckily Emily was, I didn't, I didn't get hurt or anything. And I, cause, um, I, I know how to fall. So if I realize I'm falling, I kind of know how to fall. And and I, I was down and I could have gotten up by myself. If Emily hadn't been home to help me, I would have like wedged myself against the wall or the doorway and kind of pushed myself up. But since she was home, you know, we did the little Broham handshake and she pulled me up off the ground. But the other time, it wasn't an all the way fall. It was, I was in the laundry room and uh, our, our our laundry room is also our pantry and it's it's pretty narrow and I can barely get my wheelchair in there. And normally when I'm doing chores, I lock the wheels or when I'm doing anything stationary, I lock the wheels of my wheelchair. But when I'm wedged in there, it feels like my wheelchair can't move. And it's also hard to lock the wheels because I can barely get my hands around the brakes. So I hadn't locked my wheels. And I was, I think I reached up on the shelf and got some laundry detergent or something. And then I sat back down on my wheelchair and it scooted away from me. And I went right down on my stump. No. And it hurt so much. It it ached for days. And so I had to make up something to remind myself to never do that again. And, and so I tell myself all the time, if you don't lock your brake, your stump's going to ache. And I think about <laughs> all the time. And I lock my brakes every time. Um, Anne, have you fallen as an adult? And, and did you pop back up? I gave myself a concussion once in my mid-20s when I had been over at my parents' house late on a weekend evening doing laundry. And we had an ice storm. And so when I left carrying the laundry basket, I slipped on the ice-coated concrete front steps. And since I was holding the laundry basket, I couldn't put my hands down to catch myself. And I cracked the back of my head on the concrete steps. Oh, were you out or? No, I, my brother was living at home at the time and he had been saying goodbye to me as I was walking down the steps and he was like, Oh my God, are you okay? But you know, sometimes when that stuff happens, you just get really shocked and I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I was really mad because the the laundry basket tipped over and my sheets fell out to the snow pile, my clean sheets. (laughs) And then there was absolutely no question of walking down the stairs or the driveway because it was just a complete sheet of ice. So I waded down 18 inches of snow in the yard and then I had to leap over the snow berm into the street 
And then I had to chip the quarter inch of ice off of my car before I could drive home. And at that point, I was in such shock that I was kind of like dry sobbing the whole time. I was just like... (laughs) And, And my head hurt so badly, but I thought I cannot put my hand up to touch it because if it comes away bloody, I am going to freak out. Yeah. So I drove home. You'll make, you'll you'll be making it real. If you do that, you'll make it completely real. Yep. So finally I drove home. The eight minute drive took me 25 minutes and I got home and I took my hat off and I put my hand over it (sighs) and I had a lump so big that like the palm (sighs) of my hand couldn't cover the whole thing. (sighs) And I was like, Okay, what do I do now? It's midnight. There's an ice storm. Now it's snowing. It's Saturday. I'm not going to the ER. I, I'm not going back out into that. Do I call my mom? But she's in bed. And I don't want to make her drive over here in the storm. And so I lay on the couch and watched Under the Tuscan Sun, that Diane Lane movie. <laughs> because I knew that you, when you have a concussion, yeah. you're not supposed to sleep. Stay but then engaged. that was. That was over, and it was three in the morning, and I was so tired, and I thought, well, if I die, I die, and I went to bed. (laughs) Oh, you poor thing. And I had headaches for months because I slammed my skull, my brains up against my skull. (sighs) I think we've learned laundry is the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the worst part about it was when I went to take the laundry out, snow had gotten between all the layers of laundry, too, and everything was wet. And I was like... I cannot deal with this right now. Oh man. Uh gosh, they um they talk about how bikes are sort of obsolete now uh because no one is bicycling to the video store to try to get an R movie, an R-rated movie anymore. <laughs> Kids are just getting their contact with each other and their R movies online. Right. So, that makes sense. I'm always, I'm I'm usually kind of shocked when i see a bunch of kids riding their bikes these days you know it's kind of refreshing you don't need to go get the r-rated movie but you have to get the candy how do you get the candy if you don't have the bike i think parents are enabling their kids i think they're 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 buying all the shit at costco and Hmm. i think they have plenty of sweeties at home now like yeah we used to have to like go shoplift at the kmart you know and (laughs) and get ourselves some candy but uh the kids today they're spoiled yeah, they don't even yeah. have to shoplift anymore. We can skip the commentary on soft kids because it's really the soft parents that are the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I we agree. can say that as three people with no children between us. Hey, I have a stepkid. That's true. Um, Stu has a new gig as the manager of storytelling. This is like the most millennial job title I've ever heard. <laughs> He's being paid in beer. Feel free to go to the Surly Brewing website staff directory, which I've posted in our notes. Um, Stu is going to have to grow quite the beard to fit in. He seems capable of growing a beard like that. Probably. There are a few guys in their staff directory who do not have a beard, but they don't look as trustworthy in this setting as the ones who do. Yeah, it's sort of the um, the star-bellied snitches thing, you know. It's like if if you're the odd if you're the oddball if if it's a bunch of clean-shaven guys and then there's three guys with big bushy beards, they look suspicious. But now it's all bushy beards and three sh- clean-shaven guys, they look suspicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Stu has one last request as a uh, TBTL correspondent, and that's a Chris Hayes follow, which uh, I'm jealous because he does get it, which we can talk about, I guess, <laughs> later in the week when he when he gets it. The top story, another bullshit top story. Luke misses his late night connection to Bellingham again because he's late. Again. <laughs> and he's mad about it again. <laughs> because everybody's supposed to wait for Luke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this shit drives me crazy. I, I don't know if I can talk about the hotel rooms and the flights. And I I just don't know how much more I can I can talk about the entitled etiquette. I just don't. It's starting to make me, like I said, physically tired every time I hear one of these things. Don't worry. Luke will always find a new angle. <laughs> he is, of course, forgetting about the fact that there are pilots who need to fly because if they get delayed, they might not be allowed to fly. Mm-hmm. And flight attendants who eventually want to get home. And then on top of all of those very pragmatic uh, technical reasons, the plane full of people who are scheduled to leave on time. Right. I, I think he he sees himself um, as like the pizza on the Domino's pizza tracker. Like everyone <laughs> in the entire airline industry is like <laughs> getting constant updates on where Luke is. And oh well, he he's almost here. We gotta we gotta hang on, dude. Just get just. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it, it'll be here in thirty minutes, or it's Luke. Um, <laughs> I mean, he gets because he's on another uh, Alaska flight. He thinks that they should be more cautious of that. And I'm not saying that he's completely wrong, but I'm also saying he just needs to understand that that's the reality of a of a long distance flight. That was what a cross country flight. Mm-hmm. Coming from Florida to Seattle, you're not going to have a much longer flight, and you're on one that's leaving later in the day already. It's just you're, you might get screwed. That's just kind of how that works. Well, that that's the kind of thing where if they did hold the plane for you, that's an incredibly gracious thing for them to do. But they are under no obligation to do so. So right, that- if it happens for you, be grateful. If it doesn't happen for you, you were late. So it didn't happen for you. Yeah. <sighs> My blood pressure's up. All the Starbucks talk and, <laughs> and the entitled etiquette. I This week has been tough so far for me. Uh, Luke hates indie coffee, which he thinks is inundated with chicory. Every single indie coffee shop is has chicory in their coffee, which I'm dubious about. I don't think that's happening. As I noted in one of our conversations earlier this week, every cup of coffee he's gotten that isn't from Starbucks is from New Orleans. Right. Right. It's Cafe Du Monde and everywhere being served. <laughs> I was more interested that he was overwhelmed by what he called the science of coffee. Like it was just too intimidating, all the beakers and bubbling pots of coffee that they had going on in the indie coffee shops. Just because it doesn't look like the same machine they have in every Starbucks everywhere in the world. He's probably walking into a place that does Chemex. And so it does look like those big glass things. And and you know what? I love good coffee. And I love when I find one of those places because I like the flavor of not trickery, but also (laughs) just not burnt like Starbucks. I like the flavor. Yeah, exactly. I like the flavor of anything that's 
hasn't stolen my basketball team. (laughs) (laughs) Can I interject with one only uh, semi-related note for the timeline of this episode before we go on? I just want to note that there's a blue apron spot before this top story that Nick Jaron is randomly in. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yes. It, it should, it should, he should be called Nick Jarring because it was very jarring to me <laughs> to hear him all, all of a sudden. I'm like, who the fuck? That's Nick Jaron. Yeah, uh, Nick and his co-host from his show make an appearance on After These Messages this week. And I just assumed they must have filmed this blue apron filmed taped whatever this blue apron spot uh well nick was still there but yeah it's out of nowhere it seems like um i know blue apron they couldn't possibly listen to all the spots that they buy but it seems non-standard like they shouldn't have to pay for that because they pay for the <laughs> they pay for the the host the talent yeah to do the spot like like what if i did the spot you know and they're listening like who the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> that's not the guy that's not who we paid for would you like to do a spot and we'll see if we can get them to pay us? Uh, if I get some Blue Apron, yes, I would do a spot. Hey, Blue Apron, come on over. Or Sherry's Berries. It's that time of the year. Yeah, or Jerry's Berries. Well, Whichever. I th- I'm pretty sure we, we offended the people from Gary's Berries last year. I don't know that they're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> they're, still, they're still swollen about it. Top story two, Ollie, the DC Bobcat, has escaped. Uh, the zookeeper seems like uh, he has a very hot and cold relationship with this bobcat. <laughs> and Luke was under the impression that uh, bobcats were not indeed small cats, which they are. They're, I, I think I looked it up because I was pretty sure bobcats are small and they generally run around like 15 to 25 pounds, which there are plenty of cats, domestic cats that are that large. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, that is why... Theo uh, was on deck to be weighed and they never followed through on that. I really did want to know if Theo was as big as the Bobcat because um, <laughs> Andrew estimated Theo's weight at about 17 pounds, I think. But um, we all have pets uh, that uh, put on some weight. So maybe Theo might be more towards a Bobcat size. Luke also seemed surprised that the Bobcat was on the loose in the Adams Morgan neighborhood of D.C., which is the, the neighborhood that I lived in when I was in D.C., and it was a great neighborhood, really diverse and cool and lots of great stuff to do. And I lived in a high-rise apartment building there. And there's no reason to be surprised that an animal that got loose from the zoo, Washington National Zoo, would be in the Adams Morgan neighborhood. Because if you looked out the window of our apartment, you could see the zoo. So that's where the zoo is. Mm. Uh, Luke lived in D.C., but he apparently he didn't know where the zoo was located. Could you see into the zoo? Like, could you get a pair of binoculars and just watch the animals? Yeah, but um, I use my binoculars for other things. So I usually Obviously. wasn't looking into the zoo. Right. Looking into other apartment buildings. Yeah, you don't want to use up the binoculars looking at the zoo. No, no, exactly. The They get an email. Of course, the egg sharpshoot that everyone was waiting for led to a <laughs> long, <laughs> long discussion of eggs that I kind of tuned out on i think i went and made some eggs did you guys have anything else on on the eggs i mean they, they sort of talked about it at uh ad nauseum I think. well if there's one point where where it's harlan pepper just naming types of eggs <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> and andrew makes the statement that eggs are kind of gross to think about yeah well so is milk but i love to drink some milk i you just can't think about it 
right. can't think think about where your milk is coming from or, or what eggs actually are. You just have to enjoy them, you know? I do have a deep cut Tuesday reference. Uh the Simpsons reference from Tuesday. Oh, I didn't get to it when we were talking about it earlier, but when they're talking about riding to see R-rated movies and sneaking into oh. R-rated movies, there is a passing reference to Barton Fink, <laughs> which is actually probably in Luke and Andrew's brains from The Simpsons because there's a scene where Bart is waiting after soccer practice for Homer to pick him up and all the other kids are in the back of a pickup truck saying they're leaving to go sneak into an R-rated movie. And then as they're driving away, they're cheering Barton Fink, Barton Fink from the back of the pickup truck. That is that is pretty uh, a pretty great joke, really, because when I was a kid, you know, you and you would sneak some sort of whether it was a book, a movie, whatever, and you would get hold of it and you'd be like, all right, I got some adult material here. and It would be violence. And you're like, ah, violence. <laughs> God damn it. That's all I got for Tuesday. All right, let's go to Wednesday, 2307. A Burbankster sometimes pays his debts. They're back at Walsh Walsh and Dormat again. And Luke is really excited to have both a Diet Dr. Pepper and a Diet 7-Up from the Dern Good Grocery Store on the corner. And this um, kicks off basically an entire episode about the Dern Good Grocery Store. He's most amazed at the amount of store branding because they have uh, T-shirts, keychains, hats, all kinds of things at the Dern Good Grocery Store that advertise them. And Andrew says they have an awesome selection of gummies, including gummy pizzas, burgers, and hot dogs, all of which Andrew loves. And then they start looking at the Yelp reviews for the Dern Good Grocery Store, and um, they make the point, as who reviews grocery stores on Yelp? <laughs> I mean, what is the point? Yeah, who even knew? I mean, I I didn't know until recently that there was anything really besides restaurants on there, and I don't I don't want to say why it wasn't anything related to to my life or, uh, but I recently discovered that there were Yelp reviews of abortion clinics in the Austin area <laughs> too. Oh, those well, were interesting, but you but know, what was do- missing Docker from those? Has- Sorry, what was missing from from those abortion reviews was the review like that one lady is like who said like I wish there was an abortion clinic near me. <laughs> Which you probably many get a lot of saying those things. <laughs> probably get a lot of those in Texas though because they've closed down women's right. health clinics all over the state. Well, Luke says that Yelp is is essentially running a protection racket, right? Which is true. I know this because when I was in the restaurant business, Yelp was, it was still kind of getting off the ground. I mean, they were, it was getting, getting to be sort of well-known, but they approached us about, um, paying them to, uh, curate. And I remember being outraged at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I, I, this is crazy. You know, I, I think we're running a good business and we'll get good reviews or whatever. And who are you to curate this this is not right what they were doing and and it made me mad and i've never been a fan of yelp ever since no because so clearly yelp reviews are dependent on the reviewer's personal issues Mm -hmm. right there's no kind of standard or rationality required for yelp reviews so i would much rather rather actually check out some real reviews 
I'm, I don't know, for restaurants, that's yeah. not that hard to find. No, I, you I can mean, find them, yeah. I don't know. You, I guess you can go to Angie's list for dry cleaners or contractors or Abortions. whatever. But Yelp just seems like a terrible source for any kind of honest feedback. Well, unless you're looking for people who are legit bummed. <laughs> he, he, right. That's a, he, used, he used that in that other Yelp review that he did a while back. Because it's the same review. Yeah, it's the same oh, it one. Is. Yes. Oh, okay. Andrew, he brings up this Euro Place Yelp review again because apparently he took a second look at it and he read it to Genevieve and oh. she said that he sounded like a crank. He and didn't. then this was this was a story he told that when Luke was off, so now they have to do the thing where he tells Luke the story that the rest oh. of us already know. And then I need to start listening to TBTL. It's really catching on. <laughs> and I and then you know Luke had all his commentary that he wanted to make about the original story about um, how he thought that that was actually a pretty a good review. And then we never actually got to hear the update to the story because Andrew was talking about how he I don't know he was going to make some change or something or he, he said something about conquering a personal demon like maybe he went back to the Euro place or something but we got so tangled up in the original story that they never put the clothes parenthesis on that particular story and we actually never got that at all so Here, here's like a tip know. look at the menu online before you go in and then you know, be ready, like like walking up to the soup Nazi. Fucking sure. Have your order holstered, <laughs> or go into the store and don't stand in the line. Right, just Hang back. stand in the back and look mm -hmm. at the signboards until you figure out what you want. Yeah, don't walk right up to the counter. Right, if you don't know the difference between tahini and tzatziki, ask mm -hmm. for God's sakes. It's or okay if you're embarrassed. Or shy, if only there was a piece of technology in your pocket hmm. that had the entire internet at its fingertips. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't understand why you can't stand there for a couple of minutes out of the traffic pathway and just figure out what you want. And uh, I'm new. I it. need to look at the menu for a minute. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what? I'm calling the cops. <laughs> You're loitering. I do have to say, this segment did have one major impact on my life. It really made me want a Euro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love a good Euro. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so the next interesting story is that last night, since Luke was in Seattle, he and Kamarakev went to Goldie's. And uh, they witnessed this person that he describes as sort of an antisocial high roller. I mean, I don't know what counts as a high roller in Goldies, but somebody who is making big bets. $5 table. Winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he made some speculation that, that this guy who was so antisocial was maybe on the spectrum or something. And I thought, well, maybe he's just cranky. But this person um, ordered some barbecue pork and then choked on it. And Luke thought about giving him the Heimlich. This is this is the story that Luke thought about giving someone the Heimlich. <laughs> as all the casino uh, workers ran around trying to figure out what to do. I have given someone the Heimlich maneuver successfully. You have? Yes, it was my uh, father-in-law. And it was the day of Cullen's high school graduation. 
and his um the the get together was at the Salt Lick, which is where Bobby and I went for a barbecue. Delicious. It's out in Driftwood, Texas. It's out in the country. And my we we went to the graduation and my father in law and I were in the same vehicle. It was my car and on the way to the Salt Lick we got a flat tire and I had to uh take off my dress shirt and tie and change the tire. And I cut my hand and it was 95 degrees out and it was pretty miserable. So we were late getting to the salt lick and I didn't really care. I wasn't that hungry anymore. I was just, you know, I'm having a shitty day and it wasn't about me anyway. So, but my father-in-law loves to eat and he loves to eat fast. So we got there and he's taken down a three meat plate (laughs) <laughs> really quickly and he he starts to choke and he like takes off for the bathroom and uh emily goes uh go see if he's okay and so i'm you know probably 10 15 steps behind him and we get to the bathroom and he's still choking and i give him the heimlich and the the meat comes flying out or whatever and he's <laughs> yeah, he, he's fine and uh the bathroom was really crowded too so it was it was uh it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Great day, Cullen's graduation. <laughs> not not many people can say they've given Ed Cullen the Heimlich, though. No. So just this guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Luke has a lot of tips about how to properly give the Heimlich. I mean, even though he didn't actually have to do it. But in the end, <laughs> The, the guy apparently cleared the obstruction himself, and the waitress was really rattled and got everybody but this dude some water. And Luke was like, shouldn't you get some for him? And she's like, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> and I forget how this came up, but um, Luke made the funny comment that one of the dealers said, it's Shoreline. You don't have to be sorry for anything. No, I can say I can. That's legit. You guys don't know Shoreline, but I can tell you that's legit. And the question that I have from this is, should casino dealers know your name? Is that common? That was part of the story about the casino dealer who, who knows Luke. And I, and I thought, is, that seems very strange. I don't know anybody who knows my name, especially at the casino. Well, I think when you go there with your friends, they can't help but learn your name because mm. there's a lot of table banter, especially in blackjack. So, uh, I don't know if I were a dealer, a blackjack dealer, I think I would, I would know a lot of regulars names. It's a hospitality business too. Mm -hmm. Seattle and the greater area are just chock full of divey casinos. And which one are you going to go to? You're going to go to the one with the friendly dealers. Right. And it's, it's a tip position too. So it, it Mm. behooves you to use people's names because they're more likely to tip you. Now, loaning your dealer money is a whole different story. <laughs> no. Yeah, how did Luke have 200 bucks to lend that guy anyway? Well, if anyone's going to know when Luke's riding a little heavy, <laughs> it's going right. to be the guy who just gave him the True. chips. This guy just won 500. Let's just peel a couple hundred, <laughs> hundred off him. <laughs> so the top story for today is the naked jogger on the Microsoft campus. They characterize it as a streaker, but he didn't seem from the details to be a streaker, just more like somebody who was jogging at 3.30 in the morning wearing only black sketchers. And this guy said that he was trying to build immunity to the cold, 
which sounds like BS to me, but Luke said that there is some possible scientific merit to it. Um, and this makes Andrew think about sex crimes, naturally. And what he wants to be like a, a different category. So stupid and juvenile stuff that people do should not land them on the sex offender registry for their lives, he thinks. I, I think he's got a point there, but I think yeah. I think this guy didn't go to jail for his new jogging, but for wearing Skechers, he probably should have at least gotten a ticket. <laughs> yeah, if they were shape-ups, then we've got a real issue. Yeah. Right. And I don't think I don't think uh you when when there's a story about about you uh new jogging, I don't think you want the term Microsoft thrown around. Uh that's <laughs> it's a bad combination. <laughs> wah wah. <laughs> All right, then. Andrew says that using cute terms make these offenses <laughs> seem more marginal, like streaker or flasher seems quite harmless. Um, and he, he wants to come up with a, a new name for, for helping yourself out in a car. And they decide that it should be called rearranging the maps, which seems kind of a little wordy to me. Mm -hmm. I like talking it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Manual transmission. That's what I would call that. <laughs> well, but see, that's getting too close to being less cute because, you know, I drive stick every day. I don't <laughs> want people thinking I'm doing that in my car every day. True. Can you do it while you eat? <laughs> I All can right, read let's... the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Anne's had enough. Yeah, let's, let's move on with this. She's had um... enough. Scientists in China have found a 540 million year old human ancestor. It's they're only a millimeter size. I looked at the artist renderings and the fossil um, imprints of these, and they sure don't look like they ever could have evolved into a human. But I will take that on faith. And um, Luke calls them deuterostomes, but that's actually a, a group name. The actual name of this is called a Saccharitis coreanus. And it's basically just a big blob with some teeth. And the thing that they really like is that um, it, it was very confusing how they explained it. It's anus first or no anus. So there's possibly... That's my motto. <laughs> it's no... These things have no buttocks. And uh, Luke cannot wrap his mind around the idea of something so old that eventually became humans. And he comments that, you know, when he was 18 years old and a freshman in college, he thought that the Earth was 6,000 years old. Um, and he talks a little bit about uh, how he came to the realization that this was bullshit. Um, and they say that he had in his possession, an early version of alternative facts. And um, and I thought this was really interesting talk they, about how he started thinking for the first time about how the Bible was actually influenced by humans and written with human passions and human motivations and not just some divinely inspired whatever that came down from the heavens. And I actually had kind of a similar experience. I mean, my family was not evangelical Christian. We're Lutherans, so, as you know, as Luke says, not really Christian at all. 
But I had I had a roommate in college who took a class called the Historical Jesus, and they had a Bible where anything that they're pretty sure was something that Jesus actually said, they wrote in red. And anything that they thought, well, maybe Jesus could have said that, they wrote in pink. And anything hmm. that they knew that he hadn't written was just in the regular black type. And I thought, wait, wait a minute. You mean there's debate over this stuff? And that was really where I started to bring some more critical thinking to the table on that. When they cut out the part that said anus first or no anus at all, <laughs> I was out. And when you start to you start to learn about the sort of political of uh, background to the Bible and all the debates about which gospels should go in and which should be left out, then I I started to find it a little a little bit more difficult to accept it as the word of God. I like that Anne had a salmon colored Bible. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I took a class uh, on the Bible as a piece of literature in college, and that was very similarly. You know, I was already, you know, skeptical is not the right word, but I guess uh, worldly in understanding my faith. Um, but actually reading the entire Bible from the standpoint of examining it as historic literature or historical fiction, depending on how you look at it. That was really interesting. And that had a lot of the same conversations about jockeying about what got in and what didn't and how it came together. And as I think Luke put it, the chain of custody of the Bible. Right. Uh, yeah, you suddenly realize, boy, a lot of people got their, their fingers into this. Mm -hmm. Not to be confused mm -hmm. with uh, with Mike's policy there. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Right. Uh, so the exciting news for the day is that Chris Hayes is now following Stu on Twitter. The, the plea worked. And I don't have the actual tweet right in front of me, but he didn't. He say it was solely because Stu explained the large adult sons meme to Luke and Andrew. <laughs> yes. And we actually we didn't end up talking about that on Tuesday, the, the large adult sons thing, which was the picture of Mike. Huckabee with his family and I, I found something that sure looks like it could be what they're talking about and yes those those sons are are large and adult it's just a really unfortunate picture is what it is unfortunate pose unfortunate fashion sense unfortunate everything so now Luke and Andrew can compare themselves to, <laughs> to those a large adult sons. Are we sure that those are Mike Huckabee's sons? Because would you want to fuck Mike Huckabee? There's a power are dynamic. You asking, is this a, is this a rhetorical? <laughs> no, it's just that's rhetorical. That's rhetorical. It's okay. rhetorical. Because I don't want to answer. I I know I know your answer in my heart of hearts. I know your answer. You too, Bobby. I know your answer as well. Well, you know, I'm weird. Anus first or not at all. I was the proudest thing I did this week was Photoshop uh, Stu and Chris Hayes into that family portrait of the yeah, Huckabees. That was great. <laughs> because now they're all a big happy family because of this. <laughs> yep. Um, my favorite email of the week was from Steve, who wants to know if Luke has paid Andrew the 75 bucks he owes him for the <laughs> FedExing of the passport. <laughs> and he says, yes. Yes, he has, but actually only because Andrew reminded him. And I'm surprised that Andrew reminded him 
Because if I was Andrew, I, I never would have brought it up again. Because as he says, it wasn't that big of a deal. You're right. I'm all for holding Luke's feet to the fire, especially this week. I'm on. I'm really after Luke. But this particular thing, eh, because when you're really close friends with someone, if, you yeah. know, this kind of a thing, I mean, I'll do it for you, you do it for me. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't expect to be paid back. Just like, I mean, I wouldn't think too hard about paying someone back who got me out of a jam for less than $100, you know? Right. Yeah. You figure that with friends, it'll all just sort of even just out. Just take him out to dinner or something. Jesus. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's a modest amount of soup dumplings. You just yeah. you know you pick up the check. Yeah, it's a it's right. a weird thing to be worried about. I think. Yeah. But Luke is embarrassed that he kept mm. forgetting it, so it's great that they got it taken care of. And then there's a discussion about using PayPal or Venmo. That's honestly not that interesting, and about how they use cash or how they don't use cash. And Luke's case and he says that hurts the people that he should be tipping and i that's bad luke i feel bad for those people but you're stiffing yeah uh it does remind me in their deep dive conversation about paypal and all the other things the first time i ever donated to tbtl it was just the sketchy ass paypal account and i just got an email saying you sent a payment to burrow productions yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) i remember that yeah back in the day and that is the end of wednesday all right thursday 2308 party in the front party in the back uh the groundhog day is the open the ned ryerson open uh which is very appropriate because not only is it groundhog day but it is groundhog day because luke is having another entitled etiquette odyssey (laughs) across the united states he is in chicago after almost missing his flight he stayed in Seattle for two to three days in order to not miss his first class assignment. I mean, it basically seemed like he was posted up in Andrew's apartment for most of the week. And we find out this was because he didn't want to go back to Bellingham and, and risk being late and miss his awesome first class right. two and a half, three hour experience. Between- I mean, he asked, he asked Andrew if he could do laundry at their apartment. Come on, dude. Also, what's the shower situation on the boat, really? Ugh. Yeah. Um, he had an hour and 10 minutes to go from uh, Ballard to SeaTac uh, during a time of the day when such a thing is not possible. It was completely impossible. And he just fucked away the day and didn't build in any time to go ahead and do that. And I was thinking, well... You know, maybe the next place he should live would just be across the street from SeaTac, but I think he'd find a way to be late and blame everyone else, um, even if he, even if he lived right there, uh, the, like in the house that he parked in front of when he abandoned his vehicle uh, many years ago, when and asked the the tens to keep an eye on it. <laughs> well, this is just such a strange juxtaposition that he actually builds in two extra days. So that he right, won't miss right. this. And then in the last hour, he decides to take a nap. <laughs> First class ain't that great. You're not, this is an international flight, dude. Just who can't sit still for two and a half hours? It's you know? not about the comfort, it's about the status. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm going to not be mad at Luke anymore this week, but I don't think. I mean, the zipper merge, I think, is a good thing, but it sounded like he didn't do that. It sounded like he went all the way 
like to the last very thing where he would either be hitting the shoulder or be in traffic. And right. uh, I think he ruined a few people's days to make his mm-hmm. own flight, which I'm not in favor of. But uh, the, his rental car solution of just um, re-renting the car for two more days worked for him. You know, I, I think it was a it was a good thought. I'll compliment him on that because he never would have made it. I take issue with this, though. It's only going to cost me an extra fifteen bucks a day. Well, that may be for the car if it actually is fifteen bucks a day. But what about the parking fees? Oh, How much true, does it yeah. cost to park an entire day at SeaTac? It's at least twenty five, thirty bucks. Yeah. Hmm. Good yeah. point. But he made his first class. He he got a he got a free drink and got to watch this stupid action movie. <laughs> um, Andrew's KCRW segment about the Super Bowl ads went well, and while he is talking about that, Luke is checking his airline status for his flight home. Of course, he is. So at least he admits it. Andrew brings a somehow even shittier version of playing with the boys. That song, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I don't feel like I'm homophobic, but that song has always been weird. <laughs> but this was this a completely different song. I admit I didn't listen to it complete uh, very carefully, but it seemed like it was a different song, but just had the same title, right? Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a it was a a woman, uh, yeah. So at least made a little bit more sense because I think Kenny Loggins is straight. Right. I don't so know. So it, it wasn't her covering Kenny Loggins. It was just a completely different Right. I right. think it was a completely different song, I yeah. think. The only thing I like about Kenny Loggins is that when a lot of times when you hear a Kenny Loggins song, it meant that there was a really good comedy coming on. And by a comedy, I include Top Gun because that's one of the funniest <laughs> movies of all time. Absolutely. Keith Stone, Keystone ads are brought up. Those were funny. The, the, the ratio of funny ad to terrible product is very high for Keystone and Keystone Light, <laughs> I believe. It's, it's a product that I would never drink another can of in my life, uh, right. but, that, but I can appreciate funny ads. Sure. Top story, Super Bowl ads. Uh, I don't really know what the story was. This was a... Probably the worst week of top stories that I've ever encountered. Well, they, they only talked about one ad, one specific ad, right? Yeah, it was the John Malkovich ad. Yeah. Yeah. And they talked in general about Budweiser and the Clydesdales and stuff, but mm-hmm. it really wasn't much of a preview. Which is okay because there's an entire other podcast for that. Right. 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 I really like Luke's idea of the general buying some Super Bowl <laughs> ad time and then playing one of their god-awful ads unchanged during that uh, $3 million 30-second spot or whatever it is. I think that would be amazing. Anything that hurts the general financially is fine by me. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else for Thursday. Uh, Wait, I do. You do? Sorry. Michael Medved. I don't know why he comes up, but he had appeared on TBTL and then was... See, he could not remember the name of it, which led to a discussion of TBTL being a pretty terrible name for a podcast. And that made me think, I have my regrets about the name of this podcast, which is a name that I came up with. I put up for, if you guys remember, 
I came up with like four names and we did a poll on the Stens page and Little Red Bandwagon ran away with it. And it was yeah. the one that I really didn't want to win. Oh, no. Why did you put it in then? I, well, you know, I, I thought maybe, you know, you need at least four things in a poll. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know, Little Red Bandwagon, I guess. And then it just ran away. And I was like, God damn it. So I kind of stepped on my own dick on that one. That's my LRB regret. I forget for the what the alternates were. I forget too. They were know, they probably weren't any good. I know I had suggested the collectors series, which mm-hmm. would have made it everyone think that this was a show about comic books right. or something. So I'm glad we didn't go with that. Yeah. I believe Medved was on his flight, by the way, also in first class. Oh mm-hmm. right. Yes. And so if he had had to fly with the chat, you know, with the, you know, back at the commoners, he wouldn't have gotten to sound like a big shot radio guy with Michael Medved. Right. Michael Medved doesn't need first class. He's about four foot tall. I mean, (laughs) Jesus Christ, you could put him up in the storage bin. He'd be fine. Uh, Andy Kindler is now listening due to Chris Hayes' recommendation. And Andy Kindler, I guess, doesn't remember that he also has appeared on the show. Whoops. (laughs) Whoops. <laughs> top story two. We're back on Ollie. Really, the only legit top story of the week was Ollie's escape, uh, which was not much of a legit story. Ollie has returned, and the um, the zookeeper seems um, to have fallen in love with Ollie all over again. This zookeeper sure. seems pretty complicated, like a pretty complicated guy. Well, I was wondering, is this... They refer to it as the zoo spokesman. So is this person an actual zoologist? Oh. Or are they some marketing communications person who it doesn't sounded really like the crap person about animals? Had a pretty close relationship, or at least as close as Ollie could get with anyone. Because Ollie Ollie doesn't seem like much of a socialite. Mm-hmm. But it it sounded like maybe they were letting the actual zoo person or zoo worker speak for themselves. In this spot, because it, if it had been a spokesperson, I don't know if they would have had the level of detail and sure. emotional involvement that they seem to have. I don't know how involved spokespeople get with all the animals at the zoo, but yeah, they they would have just let the bobcat speak for himself, but it would have just been loud screaming squeals. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, our we have a Edith speaks for herself very loudly, and she's going to make an appearance on this show very soon. I predict um, not tonight, but she has been thrown in here while while we've been recording before, and uh, she is louder than any dog barking. Moving on, email Megan Coughlin, friend of the show, uh, lives very near the the Dern Good Grocery, and she she solved the mystery of the dog, as her dog Pokey Jones has met that dog that. Um, was described in the Yelp reviews of the Dern Good Grocery. And that dog and the owner have moved on since then. So that's why Andrew hasn't been able to pet a dog in his corner grocery store. Andrew would be in that store every goddamn day if there was a dog there, right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Don't you think he would know every day anyway? Mm-hmm. Probably. He probably stops there on his way to the QFC. Mm-hmm. Get his uh, gummies. Uh, another, <laughs> another email. Uh, I... I have this in my notes, and I meant to go back and and listen to figure out what my notes even mean. Periodic bathroom checks per stolen. 
uh, parentheses, bad caper. What the fuck am I talking about? Does any, can anyone tell me? And do you want yes. to take this? Sure. This was from Kevin in Colorado who was responding to Andrew's dreams of working in a movie theater and said that he oh. worked in a movie theater where um, he watched two boys come out of the theater and go into a bathroom for a long time. And he went in to do a bathroom check to find that they had stolen a lady's purse and had the contents spread out over the counter. And then he locked down the theater and had the the purse theft victim watch them while he went and called the police. That's interesting. How can you lock down a theater? Aren't there emergency exits? That was the confusion right? after reading that email. Yeah, I've been a part of real lockdowns, and they require locks. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> Luke uh, has stolen condoms from a, a free clinic. Of course. Felt he was getting away with something. Stolen. He was a young man. <laughs> right. Not because he wanted condoms, not because he even knew really what they were for, but because he knew that it was a sex thing. Yeah, I... Or maybe he just thought that they were like after dinner mints at a Mexican restaurant and you just like you make a little basket out of your shirt and just get as many as you can get. Right. Thankfully, more sanitary than the after dinner mints at a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Uh, rejected show title, the Keith Stone Pipeline. I really like that one. Yeah, I don't know good. why it was rejected. Yeah. It's better than the better than the actual. And. With that, I'm actually done with Thursday, not fake done. <laughs> we'll get a Friday 2309. Costa Rica will see you now. Uh, it's a morning edition, uh, as Luke is still recording in the Hotel Gray in Chicago. He starts by noting that the thermostat is on fleek because it is immediately responsive to his needs, uh, which will tie into our top story later on in this episode. Andrew makes a Mr. Walsh will see you now, joke, referring to the poster, a poster he saw for Fifty Shades of Grey, a movie he has not seen, and I don't fault him for it, uh, but I guess Grey was enough from the name of the hotel to inspire him to make the joke. I worry sure. about any guy who's seen that movie. So good job by him having not seen it. There must be some steamy scenes. I mean, I imagine that would be the payoff. Yeah, but yeah. And? It's a lady movie. I... I saw it because I was curious. I actually read the books a long time ago before it became a huge deal. They're not good books, but they're not as bad as people say they are. I mean, anybody who's ever read a romance novel knows that the bar is very low in that genre. I mean... Is there any toe-sucking that goes on in this? I don't recall. Does that interest you on a scarcity angle now, Mike? <laughs> Just, um, I'm, I'm a sucker for pigeon toes and whenever I can wrap my lips around one. Uh, on to more from Friday. Um, they get talking about other movies that are bad, starting with Andrew saying that the Batman Superman movie is not better on second viewing. It's not like Italian food. Hmm. Uh, and Luke notes, as Mike mentioned earlier, that that he watched uh, Suicide Squad on the flight out to Chicago and was glad to know he should avoid the Batman v Superman for the flight back. I feel like I don't even know these guys anymore. <laughs> what are they doing watching these stupid movies? Well, that was my, well because again, you when you're on Alaska in first class, you get the digiplayer 
for free instead of the 10 bucks it is. I would rather stare at the back of someone's seat like David Putty than, <laughs> than watch Batman versus Superman or Suicide Squad. What the fuck? Well, have some respect for your brain. As you guys know, uh, I I have a pretty solid normal you know routine for long flights, which is that I get drunk, and then if I have time, I clean my laptop. So like I go through and I delete old files, mm-hmm. and I I clean up my desktop, and I if it's a really long flight, I'll actually that's really nice because a couple of times a year I'll I'll organize my files a little bit. Usually they just get dumped into my Dropbox primary folder and just pile up. Uh, so I make use of that time that way. I have flown Alaska cross country many times, and uh, thanks to chocolates and being friendly, I have been offered a free DigiPlayer many times, mm-hmm. and I have never taken the DigiPlayer because I just don't have any interest in sitting there and watching a movie on a screen that size wedged into the back of some seat that's been reclined into my face. <laughs> I hear you. I'll watch a dumb movie on an airplane. I don't know. That's how I watched that Jack Reacher movie. But I don't think that I would watch either Batman versus Superman or a Suicide Squad. I'm just not interested. Was your life any is your life any better now for having seen that Jack? Like I haven't seen Jack Reacher and I feel like I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, it, I I didn't feel offended that I watched it, but I also wasn't like, yeah, that was a good movie. I mean, it's no Die Hard. Well, right. Obviously, I would much rather watch my Alaska Airlines cheese plate. <laughs> the the big problem with the action my big problem i should say with the big action like comic book superhero uh type movies is there are no mortal stakes like there's these fights nope. that just escalate and escalate and escalate but there's no tension because no one ever dies no one no one's ever seriously hurt they're like thrown into buildings and a building collapses around them and then they emerge stronger than ever and it's like why do i fucking care right well, so the guys make that point about action scene fatigue because mm-hmm. they just keep going and going and going, except Star Wars. And I will say, I, you know, the new Star Wars, if you haven't seen it yet, there is some consequence to those action scenes sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And also really sad. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah someone fucking died. Right. <laughs> a good guy finally bit the dust. I don't mind a, a big budget action movie every once in a while. One of my brothers loves superhero movies. He's been he's the artist who's been drawing comic books and superheroes ever since he could pick up a pencil. And he's very critical when he goes to see them, but he goes to see them all. So I have been dragged to my fair mm-hmm. share of them. And my observation is that I don't like movies where the story just serves to get to the action. I'm fine with action as long as it serves as right. a through point for the story. But if that's the whole reason we're there is to go, there's always in those movies, there's like a, a money shot where all of a sudden the camera draws back and all the superheroes or whatever are like in a cool pose together. And whenever I see that, I'm just like, ugh, done. <laughs> I, I'll give you guys an example of what I think was a great action movie. And it's p- getting pretty old at this point. The Fugitive. It was an action yes. movie. Yes. 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 But, uh, but uh, you know, there there was a lot of mortality involved and, and consequences and people getting hurt. And it was just, I mean, I don't know. It was probably my favorite action movie of all time. 
Yeah, that was that was good. That's a good pull. Although Die Hard also a great yeah. pull. Luke mm-hmm. Luke says his thought of the greatest action scene is John McClane with the gun taped to his back with gift wrap tape, which is a nice reminder that it is a Christmas movie. Someone gave me shit on Facebook for calling it a Christmas movie today. Or at least said not to bring up that debate. Of course it's a Christmas movie. There's no debate. Of course. And that scene is so great. I put a picture in our Slack channel and I'll post it to the Facebook page of a guy who has that tattooed to his back in scale, which is a little ridiculous. <laughs> that seems to be a, a bridge too far for me anyway. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It also makes a really great point, though. This scene deserves to be celebrated. Uh, Mm -hmm. The guys talk about um, Alan Rickman saying, shoot the glass in German and then in English, (laughs) not for the uh, moviegoers benefit, but because the goons are not understanding why they should shoot the glass. And I only mention this German to English because they rift into saying shut down IPDTL in Polish, (laughs) which I mainly mention. Because Luke name checks Musica Conchalata, the 12 12 or 13 Song of the Summer winner, the Polish band. It's amazing that he remembers that name. I know. It really stuck. It's probably in his iTunes, so it probably comes up once in a while. I went back and listened to that song, though, today, and it made me happy all over again. It's a good year. We get a preview uh, as Andrew's going to be out of town next week. He and uh, Genevieve are going to Costa Rica, and we talk about... The resort they're going to, the adult-only club called Secrets. <laughs> and it might have been my one-liner of the week when he says that the – Andrew says the, he's not sure. It's not a swingers club. We're pretty sure. But the logo is a bowl full of keys. <laughs> that was a restaurant-quality joke. <laughs> I like it. And the balance that they have to strike here is Andrew wants to go on a vacation where he sits poolside, gets drunk, reads a paperback, and accomplishes nothing all day, where Genevieve actually wants to do things. <laughs> and She she does want to do things. I mean, I, I can see that. You know, he's a stay-at-home and she's adventurous type, but she doesn't seem to be very good at booking things because she she books rental cars from places that don't have cars. She books <laughs> swingers resorts. I mean, maybe she should come up with the ideas and let Andrew... You know, here's where I want to go, Andrew. You do the booking. Well, she might have found something to do while he's sitting at the pool. And then maybe they could watch the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, that's true. Traveling on Super Bowl Sunday. And not, as Luke put it, ziplining with monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) If Andrew actually goes ziplining, I will eat my hat. Yeah, I want want pictures or it didn't happen with that. Yep. I, I did want to, you know, I'm more of an Andrew when it comes to vacations. This is why when Sam and I went on our honeymoon in Aruba, it was delightful because there's nothing to do in Aruba. There's no yeah, history. There's no great. culture. Right. <laughs> there's just food and beach and right. um, tourist traps. But right. you don't feel like you're missing anything. Like if you go to Europe for a week and you don't do everything, you're going to feel like an asshole. Yeah. Didn't and do people anything. will make you feel like an asshole, too, yeah. because they'll say, well, did you do that? Did you do that? Did you? Fuck, I was there a week. What do you want me to do? I can't live your life as well as mine. And this is why I've thoroughly enjoyed my week in Texas over the summer last year Mm -hmm. where I went to that resort, uh, family resort out in the middle of nowhere between what San Antonio and and Austin. Your Uh, pace. 
Yeah, because other than seeing you for a couple of days, Mike, I I I drove around. I walked around San Antonio for an afternoon. I, mm-hmm. That's uh, great. We, we went to an arcade at one point and just sticked around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, I just you know I hung out by the pool and I ate junk food and I I relaxed and it was wonderful. Give me a nice hotel room in a crappy city and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke and Carrie, uh, Luke recounts going to Hawaii uh, and something about being with the mummy and jumping out of – was it a third floor window or ledge or something? And then it all comes together when he mentions that a lot of mushrooms are involved. Mm-hmm. This sounds like a terrible idea. Uh, taking the mummy on vacation with you? Yes. Because <laughs> you know he's not going to pay for anything. That's just the first bad decision you've made. <laughs> I I can tell you from experiences uh, from people I have known and people that I've that close friends of mine and family members have known. If you're going to do psychedelic drugs, get yourself a ground floor hotel mm-hmm. room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just to make sure, there's one more knife twist for Mike. There's a little bit of Gary Keeler talk. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> he he thought he was going to get away with that. Could you tell he thought he was going to get away with that? Yeah, his buddy Gary, uh, starting with personal messages on Prairie Home Companion and then the writer's almanac, which Luke apparently likes to marathon. Uh, I I don't really want to get into the writer's almanac, but I do want to mention that Luke says the first story Tom Hanks told him personally was a cringy story of Jerry Lewis going on and on about a joke about Orientals. Mm, Not surprising. And I assume it's just all rugs and ramen noodles. Otherwise, it would be really inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Top story, finally, for Friday. Hotel thermostats are bullshit. Kind of like those uh, crossing buttons at intersections for pedestrians. Uh, Some of them work. Most of them don't, or a lot of them don't, especially in the nicer places. Yeah, more and more these days, they're they're fake. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, why not? It's part of my job. At the University of Minnesota. I mean, I don't think I've talked about specifically what I do there, but I work for a department called Energy Management, and we run all the energy systems on campus. And so um, it it happens where people will just keep dicking around with thermostats, especially classrooms that students have mm-hmm. access to. And sometimes you have no choice, but you just – people will complain and complain and complain. So you put a fake thermostat on the wall, and then they're happy as a clam. Well, the thing that sucks about – uh, the hotel rooms, though, is they also don't let you open a window. So, if if the room's too hot for you, fuck you. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> uh, when I was in New York a few weeks ago, I was on the 18th floor, I think, and my hotel room window did open a little bit, oh. and it was <laughs> right. And I was high enough up around buildings that weren't that when I opened it, it was nothing but a. Strong wind blowing through the room. Uh, And that definitely had a fake thermostat, but it was at least well managed. Um, And Mm -hmm. I can tell when I walk back into the room, it would be a little cold or a little hot, but it would level off pretty quick. So Mm -hmm. there was clearly some sort of motion sensor involved. Yeah, it's it's called the this asshole again sensor. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like the real top story here was once again bitching about a newspaper paywall. Your job is the media. Just buy the goddamn Wall Street Journal right. subscription. <laughs> Deduct it. Yeah. <laughs> and as far as the Washington Post, I have the Washington Post subscription just because I'm trying to be a better media person. That's fake news, though. I'm not into that well, fake yeah. news. This leads down a whole conversation about the I gotta get mine mentality, Luke's hoarding impulses. I don't know that we need to go back down that right now. No. Yeah. 
I think I've already lost a year on my life tonight. <laughs> and one more story. Uh, people are buying up the TDIs. Mike, I'm sure you can weigh in here about how much you love your VWs. Of course they are. Those those cars are amazing. Those, those Germans have cheated the system. They've managed <laughs> to create powerful, uh, powerful, uh, wonderful luxury sedans that get 40 to 50 miles a gallon. Of course people are buying them up. <laughs> Well, we're keep, we're keeping ours. We didn't take the buyback. They're theoretically buying them up to return them at a higher rate. Yeah. Um, I wonder what what person put enough homework into buying a car that they bought a TDI, but not enough homework that they're going to sell it for less than they're going to get from VW for it. Exactly. Yeah. It's Who a pretty complicated. People? It's a pretty complicated deal going on. We're we're taking. They're going to be paying us some amount of money, which is to make up for the the um, resale value that we lost when it was discovered that they cheated the emissions, you know, so we're going to get like six or $7,000, but we're keeping the car. So we love it. It's fucking fantastic. Which is kind of amazing considering you're in Texas and you're driving it on I-35 alongside highways uh, full of trucks that are just rolling coal the whole way. <laughs> well, of course <laughs> you can't even, when we're in, when you're in Texas driving a sedan, you, you can't see anything. On any side of you. <laughs> I remember uh, driving my little yeah. tiny rental car up and down yeah. from Austin to San Antonio. It's harrowing. <laughs> your music for your weekend, uh, Andrew brings Stevie Wonders, You Are the Sunshine of My Life, which was a weird pick for Andrew. And then Luke brings Slick Rick featuring Outcast with Street Talking because he found it among Camaro Kev CDs in his car. If you had told me that these two songs were switched, I would have believed it more. Mm -hmm. Ah, good point. Yeah, just a weird week for that. And then listener Bradley brings Thundercat featuring both the Velvet Voice and Kenny Loggins with Show You the Way. <laughs> I I love Michael McDonald, by the way. I know I I just want to say something positive before the show's over. I love Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald. Yeah. Kenny Loggins is horrible. I so. think Kenny Loggins has his moment in time and space. Yeah. On a housekeeping archive project, keep on the archiving. Email us at littlewhitebandwagon at gmail.com if you want in on it. Archivists, we're going to draw more wagons of loot winners soon, and we'd love to have you be one of them. Earbuds and earworms, by the time you hear this, their latest episode will be out, and it's an episode part one of Protest Songs featuring Craig, co-host of Eureka Podcast, a show some of us listen to, um, who it sounds was incredibly enthused to be on Earbuds and Earworms. And apparently, let me episode. just uh, let me just say this about uh, this week's earbuds and earworms. I'm look really looking forward to this because I I love the show and I'm a faithful listener, but I've never looked forward to an episode more now that they're going to have uh, the electric Craig Scholes from the Eureka Podcast on. I mean, I'm on tenterhooks for this episode, so yeah. go get this one. If he's half as fired up about protest songs as he is about baseball, this is really going to be something. Mm -hmm. uh, and explicit lyrics abound in this episode. They let me know. So uh, you've been warned. Nerd Out Loud is still a thing. Keep it in your feeds. And if you're going to buy stuff on Amazon, because we know you are, do it at littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon. We're online, as most things are, at littleredbandwagon.com. On Facebook at Little Red Bandwagon and the Stens page, our show Twitter is LRB Podcast. And Chris Hayes, if you've made it this far, please feel free to give us a follow back. I'll give you that email address again, littlewebbandwagon at gmail.com, voicemails and text messages at 802-432-TBTL, 802-432-TBTL. And uh, Anne, would you do us the honors? Until next time, this is The Next Party. 
We love you, Jen, and like it says on my family crest, ain't us first or not at all. <laughs> and yet, somehow, generations of Frizzells. It ends here. <laughs> Nailed it. Shoot the glass.